My name's Al. I'm Brad. Hey, I'm Tim. Hey, what's up? I'm Jules. All right, this uh, this is a podcast we're going to get going. Basically, we're four dudes who like watching movies. Uh, we figured we might as well record our regular conversations because mm. that's what it turns into usually. This week, this week's film, Point Break. Let's watch the trailer. Yeah. The ultimate rush. There's nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. <laughs> We are the ex-president. Total commitment. It's a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a fuck. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you gotta be willing to pay the ultimate price. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and please don't forget to vote. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. Ex-presidents are surfers. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. He'll take you to the edge. Past it. This is going to be a great day, Johnny. The taxpayers of Lancet, Utah, they knew that they were paying a federal agent to surf and pick up girls. Babes. Big one. The correct term is babe, sir. Adios, amigo! Interesting to tell me. Caught my first tube this morning, sir. It's so eighties. I'm really surprised, but I can't remember watching that. I, I loved that trailer. That was. <laughs> I was. I got so I watched it before I watched the film, and I got so excited. There are, there are two things I noticed. One is the soundtrack. It's just like. Which now that now that music actually appears in the actual film. Nope. No. Nah, like it's not. Cool. Now, interesting. There are two things, two shots or two scenes, I guess, in that film, in that clip that aren't in the film. Did you pick them? Yeah, yeah. The, I got one. You got was one. Keanu Reeves out the window shooting, shooting the gun. The gun. Yep. I've actually got the other one. If no one can guess it, but Al, you go ahead. I got it. So <laughs> it's the line which is amazing, where awesome he's like, line. "Awesome line." You sorry? Do you think taxpayers are happy for you to pick up chicks? The correct term, sir, is babes. <laughs> that's actually a really, uh, it's a really good line for Keanu Reeves to say. Like, I think he suits. Maybe it's a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure thing, but he says the word babes really good. Like, babes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It, it's almost like you know, it's his line. You know, that's his yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, for sure. Watching that trailer, I would not have picked up that that wasn't a line in that film. It's like it was done so well and was almost so natural that I would have gone, yeah. That was in the film. Wouldn't have even noticed it. What mm. I thought was interesting about it is it was very similar to the I caught my first tube today mm. line, yeah, yeah, which is sure. also yeah, in the yeah, trailer, yeah. which is mm. interesting. Um, and, and I feel like that's maybe why it was cut because it was like, it does feel very him talking back to Harv. <laughs> yeah, the, look, if you had to pick two lines out of those two, 
you'd stick with the still the like yeah. 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 yeah you'd have to stick with it <laughs> that's so a great line our first segment we're going to play the trailer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Brad is going to tell us about the year I like to call it history with Brad <laughs> oh history with Brad alright 1991 I was 14 I was in year 9 this was, uh, you know, I went and saw this film at the cinemas. So, you know, for me, this was, you know, this was an M-rated film. I was, uh, I was underage, so to speak. So, um, like grade four, grade four. All right, I did, so. so I did not see this at the cinema. Right. Uh, my first viewing of this film was in 1996. Mm-hmm. I was on a scout jamboree in New Zealand, and for some reason, it was playing somewhere where we were staying and I came in halfway through. In fact, I think I came in right near the end when Bodie is sitting in the truck, in the back of the truck after the skydive telling Utah about where Tyler is. Pretty late in the film. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Last third, easily. Yeah, but I also remember it being like similar. Like, ooh, I'm a little bit young for this. I don't think I should be watching this, but, you know, I'm in another country. And and interestingly, (laughs) this film changed for me because Timmy and I had it on VHS. We taped it off the telly. Yeah. Yes. No, yes that's cool. Nice. Well, there, see, that puts us back into time as well. So, you know, 91, that's what you did. Cassette tapes. This film changed for me completely between the formative years of watching it on VHS mm-hmm. and actually purchasing it on DVD. I was going to bring this up because I've had the exact same... I, I would call it almost a disappointment because... <laughs> The VHS on TV clearly was edited for TV, and so when we went out and purchased it, I think it was a, it was actually a video CD we got in Hong Kong. Whoa, um, so it wasn't even a DVD, but you are correct. Um, and then you watch it, and there was all this extra stuff in there that lots, uh, but swearing, a lot more swearing. swearing. But it just it didn't kind make of, it better. No, it didn't at all. It kind of ruined it a bit. Not even a naked chick in the shower. No, no she was, she was in there. It. She was there. She was in the TV cut. But there were some lines in there that just felt so horribly forced when I heard them for the first time because I th- it just felt like they'd been added in afterwards. Yeah. yeah like there's cuz it flowed for us. Yeah, there was this one bit um and obviously we don't need to tell people but there's going to be spoilers all through this thing but Yeah. Um the you know the raid uh, of the house with Warchild and all those kind of guys and one of them gets shot. I can't might have been Bunker that gets shot and he just goes effing pigs and it's clearly an overdub. <laughs> it's uh, it's Anthony Kiedis, isn't it? No, 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 no. no, no, no. no, no. It's when one of them gets shot in the head. I think it is, and he like they swear as they get. Yeah, they swear get as shot. they fall down. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was the it's most a, clear overdub. It's fake. a quality <laughs> piece of ADR. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and and it's just moments like that. And there's a few of them throughout the film that weren't obviously in the, um, in the VHS kind of taped from the TV version. So it was a bit of a shock in that mm. respect. But getting back on track. Slightly. Okay, where were you? Ninety one. Um, I would have been in grade one, ninety one, grade one. Yeah, d- um, ditto. What I was doing, don't know, grade one kind of things, but mm-hmm. beyond that, trying no not idea. to poo your pants, probably. Yeah, I think I had grown that for a couple of years prior, hey, but I'm 38. Maybe. Still that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. Timmy. Yep. Oh, ditto. Pretty much the same. Grade one, um, can't seven. That far. Can't remember when I first watched it. To be honest, it would have been it would have been at home after taping off the telly. I reckon. So. Cool. Ugh. All right. Yeah. Well, look, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I thought, oh, we'll see what actually was happening in '91. So my uh, my formative years were the eighties, and uh, you know a, a hell of a lot of stuff happened in the eighties. And me looking back, I've actually thought the nineties were pretty boring. Bugger all happened in the nineties. Well, according to Wikipedia, 
a buttload of stuff happened in 1991. The Cold War finished. James the US Bond. the US decided to uh, invade Iraq. Um, Germany uh, formally reunited as one country. Television-wise, uh, Comedy Central launched. Um, something that probably involves all of us, probably a little bit closer to home. Super Nintendo oh, was, uh, was released in the US. Now you're talking to yeah, so, you know, getting like you know the, the world has advanced quite a lot since then, but uh, we're still there. And that go. is pretty much that's history with 90, Brad. History that's... <laughs> and that wraps up history with Brad for 1991. Um, I just wanted to point out that the chick that did this film, Catherine. Big load. I, I, I kind of stalked her on IMDb a bit, as you do. You got Point Break in 91. She did the K-19 Widowmaker in 2002. She did the Hurt Locker in 2008. And then she did Zero Dark Thirty in 2012. She won an Oscar for Hurt Locker. Was there any Oscars for Point Break? <laughs> Disappointingly, no. Oh, not, another not like Oscar, another best Oscar score? shun. <laughs> best, best set? Best score. You know what? We're going to talk about the music. Best use of a surfboard. None of the above. <laughs> That's not... I, Oh, that's best, not really an Oscar best thing, use of a slow motion camera, I'd have to say. That's what that's what if Point Break was going to take it for anything. Best use of a slow motion camera. That's. Uh... Oh, I want to talk about that. That's I interesting. Wanna, yeah, we know because I felt like there's a shot. I'm going to skip right to the end. Uh, they've just jumped out of the plane. Uh-huh. Uh, Johnny Utah's got the gun. He's like, pull the grip cord. Uh-huh. No, you do it. We're going to splat. Blah, blah. Uh-huh. I feel like when they and they land and they land in slow motion. I feel like there's very little slow-mo throughout the rest of the film, and mm-hmm. I was really, like, jarred by that. Mm. Really? Yeah, I was just like, oh, what's with the slow... Like, it seemed... Most of the film, for me, is really, like... Like that trailer. Like, it's really, like, high-paced, really sort of almost visceral. Like, it's really intense mm-hmm. and really up close and, like... <laughs> Would you say, then, it's, it's probably the... Because f- most of the slow-mo in it is the surfing stuff yeah yeah so it's when they're actually surfing it, is there there's probably not a whole lot of slow-mo in Outside the action se- that. in yeah. the action sequences so it's probably the first major action thing you see in slow-mo that- yeah which is why it felt really like it pulled me out of it because it was like maybe oh, it was a uh one of those things where they had to make it look better than they actually filmed it how are we going to make this look like it actually happened well, if we do it in slow-mo Slow we can down. sort of make it yeah, they probably jumped off a platform that was like yeah. five feet high and they watched it back and they went, that is the most ridiculous thing yeah, I've ever seen. That's one of those things. Most stuntmen are nuts, but... Yeah, uh, I, don't I don't think, think they're, they're that nuts. Yeah. No. Well, the trick, I think the trick they use there is that the vision is slow-mo, but the audio isn't. Yeah. That's a good point. So when so when um, Utah, kind of, he kind of does this big yell when he lands, so I think he lands on his knee. Um but that's not a slow-mo yell or anything. It's like a, you know, it's real time. But the vision is in slow-mo, which kind of mm. adds to that. It's interesting. They actually do that because, like, my the point that I've written down here is not that the surfing's in slow motion. It's that pretty much whenever they're in water, like, throughout the entire film, like, I'm saying that 99% of the film, when anyone is either sitting in water, surfing water, it's in slow motion. And there are a couple of scenes, you like, you'd have to probably have to watch back, but there are a couple of scenes where it's visibly slow motion, but they talk in real time. Like, they've overdubbed real-time vocal onto this slow motion footage, and it's like, it trips me out every time I see it. Like, there's a chick, uh, the scene where the chick, when she's teaching Johnny Utah, Tyler is teaching Johnny Utah to surf, and she, she you know, flexes her biceps, and she says, you are surfing right mm, now. That is totally. clearly filmed in slow motion, mm-hmm. yet she says it like that, 
the way uh, the point. audio yeah. is actually in in real time. And I was kind of like, how about that? Like, I if you watch the film back again, you can watch the whole film, and like ninety nine percent of the film, when any anyone is in water or surfing or something like that, it's in slow motion. That's and cool. It, re- it really tripped me out, actually. That's cool because on reflection of that, it it, it adds to that sort of. Uh spiritual, spiritual attachment, side, yeah. that they're, yeah. attachment that they're trying to get the whole thing about surfing within this film is the whole spiritual side of it really yeah and not much water it, in uh, Hurt Locker or no, no. <laughs> but I mean like the um, what was I going to say the that's what's that's what's good about the start of this film is because they just like so many films really struggle with the whole character development thing, mm. introducing characters. Was, I felt it was so strong in this. It was just bang like, straight yeah. away. We know this is this guy. These are the two main guys yeah. right here. Yeah, I actually because that that was an interesting point that I actually wrote down was um, <laughs> the fact that so the movie you know it introduces itself and you've got Bodhi surfing and then the first time we see Johnny Utah is. He's sitting on the hood of his car with a shotgun in hand in the boring rain. And I'm kind of thinking, what was he doing like a few seconds before that? Was he just sitting there in the rain for no reason? Is he just sitting <laughs> on his car is he, with is a he shotgun? Is he waiting his turn? Yeah. Maybe. And well, wouldn't he be, be like under a shelter with an FBI training <laughs> jacket on or something? <laughs> Some kind of yeah. wet weather gear. Because like, they wouldn't set up this whole training thing just for him. Like it would be... He'd be in he'd, a queue, He'd be right? with all the other cadets or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then you've got this one guy. The other thing that I found weird was that the targets are all set timed, but yet the guy's timing him. Like, what's he timing him for? <laughs> yeah. Because I would have thought he'd just be basing it all on accuracy or whatever. Because he does. He says, 100% Utah. But he stops a stopwatch. However, however, I was watching that closely. Not only did they use a few of the same shots twice, yeah. but he totally blasts away this very, very innocent-looking woman. No, no, no. No, she's not. I think because you, I think when you look, she's holding someone. Or is that... The, <laughs> she's probably like holding was, a baby. No, no, no. <laughs> it's the standard, like, bad guy with a gun, bad guy with a gun, woman with a pram. <laughs> there is one of those things, There is they're, they're holding a hostage. Yeah. And he blows away the, just, the guy's face. <laughs> But does he hit the, no, other, he the hostage? No, he doesn't. No, no. I feel I like, like there to was say, one. though, that that sort of doesn't really make any sense because if you ever fight a shotgun, let's just say they're not designed to be pinpoint nah, accurate. This, this is they're when he switched to the handgun because yeah. he starts out, I was paying very close attention. I'm like, I wonder if he's got 90 shells in that shotgun. But I was like, no, nah, he switches to the handgun. So um, I also noticed during those credits, James Cameron, executive producer, you clearly didn't know who Catherine Bigelow was, but they were married for a short period. And apparently, James Cameron was going to direct this film and pulled out at some point and swatched out. Would you say that there's a lot of uh, James Cameron cues in this film, though? A lot of uh, influence? No, I don't don't think so. It's... There's not a lot of... It's not in 3D for a start. (laughs) Was 3D even invented in 91? There's also not a lot of... Yeah, there was. Yeah, cool. There's also not a lot of uh, submersible, personally funded submersible (laughs) devices. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I, no I actually heard word around the campfire is that um, Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron actually sat down and rewrote the final script that uh-huh. we know as the script today. But that is all hearsay, you know. Whether that's true or not, I don't we, know. We, we don't have any inside sources. <laughs> no. <laughs> Between we, the four of us, we don't know anyone. We have no sources, let alone inside nah. sources. Yeah. We need we need some expert listeners to tell us whether that one's true. <laughs> the The script is like just the right amount of corny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I agree right? completely, like it's, yeah. it's enough that you're like, 
Mm. It's enough to get away with, It's, really. it's enough to get away with, yeah. It's the right percentage of dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So how dumb was it beforehand? Well, obviously good enough that they've gone, we can do something with this, and turn it into a, a cult classic film, so... Yeah, well, it did well at the box office. On a box office thing, though, what was what was big money for a film in '91? Like, what was what was big? Well, it was made for twenty four mil, and it made eighty three and a half mil. Okay, so it did Good well. Returns. It did, it right. did well. A couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was not including my box office. Yours, obviously, Brad. Mm-hmm. Well, look, these days twenty four mil, pff, nothing. Well, I mean, you know. You can't make anything for 24 mil these days. You can't go to the supermarket, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly right? Well, I mean, like, you look at Blues Brothers. I, I can't remember what year Blues Brothers came out, but it was 80, 80, 80, 85. 85. Was so it? that was made... Sorry, that was made for $27 million, and that was the most expensive film ever made at the time. And it was a box office flop. Was it really? Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I didn't know Most that. cult classics are, aren't they? Mm, they, yeah. they usually bomb and that, then... Isn't that why they're cult? Classics? That's... Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Nah, Matrix is a cult classic. That, really? That made a couple of bucks. It made a few. It made yeah. a few. Six or seven. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, John C. McGinley. I was going to say this. I've got I, that written down here. I've got yeah. basically John C. McGinley is fucking rad. Yeah. I, <laughs> do you know what? I had, I had almost the exact thing. <laughs> I was like, man, he is na- like this part... He's made for him, right? And he he does that angry acting so well. <laughs> he does. So he's the uh, he's the uh, the sergeant dude. He's the boss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy Young that other people dog. know from uh, what's he? He's Scrubs. in Platoon. Scrubs. Platoon. Scrubs. Platoon. And yeah. he plays the same. He's not as angry in Platoon, <laughs> yeah. but he's the same he's, kind of like he's too jerk. <laughs> yeah, and he gets he gets done over quite nicely in Platoon. As yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I thought he was a perfect piece. In fact, I thought the casting all around was great. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't. So mm. there's a, there's a huge list of people that were in line mm. to play this, to play all sorts of these characters. Uh, the first one that springs to mind was Matthew Broderick for Johnny Utah. Yeah. Like, it, you know, like there was it was a, just, there's a yeah. crazy list. Um, but, do we think, um, do we think Laurie Petty was the right choice for the Tyler? I think she was great. I reckon. I, I was really impressed with that. Cause I, yeah. I just thought she was just a no, like she was just really kind of robust character. Like she, I think she played it really well, and it's one of those female leads you don't see enough of. Mm. Having said that, Laurie Perry's character, I felt was kind of strong and yeah. very masculine. Very, well, not masculine, but just very... Just no BS kind of thing. Yeah, you know? determined in, in what she believed and mm. her own things. And I think that was that was great to see, you yeah. know, like, particularly for an early 90s film. Mm. I didn't think, get that um, a lot. They were more I, like the researcher at the FBI or the the chick answering the door in her jocks. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think like, also that um, maybe that was a point, but she was probably what a lot of female surfers actually were at the time. Like you know, it was it was still probably at that point where there was really bugger all female surfers, and if there was, you know, there was sort of like they were all, from the the girls that I knew that surfed back then. They were always really headstrong, knew where they were going really, really confident in themselves sort of people, and she played that sort of character. So Had to hold her own kind of thing. Yeah, hold her mm. own, and, and not almost like, you know, she was left and had to do everything by herself, but, mm. you know, if she was, she'd be cool, that's, you know, and that's the kind of character she was. I, I'm not. I'm saying that I think she plays quite a strong female character. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the whole spiel. I started talking about John C. McGinley before. I thoroughly enjoyed the whole spiel that he gave about being, like, super fit. Yep. You know, we don't smoke and we sure as hell don't, or we don't drink and we sure as hell don't smoke, and... You know, we're all top physical condition. But then we get to Pappas, 
who's like he's chomping on cigars. And <laughs> meatball he's a massive subs. Dude. Yeah. He's you know he's like. Ugh. There is actually another. Yeah, but scene, I though. think I think there's sorry to interrupt. Okay. But I, I think maybe you've got a bit of you've got a because there's all, there's a problem between Harp and Pappas the whole film. Mm. Like there's a clear problem there. Yeah. There's a clear conflict of interest, and I think that that's a that's a pretty good way of looking at it because you got Harp that's harping on excuse the pun but Whoa, harping on about all this you know you know we're, we're clean eaters we're fit we're you know responsible for our actions he's all trying sort of to stuff. run it his way correct whereas you've got Pappas who's been around the block many times who's like screw this guy I'm running things my own way kind of thing <laughs> and that, that, that conflicts through the whole film True, so I think that's true. actually done pretty well that's, yeah that's true that's yeah. a good point but there are actually other small occasions where you see I guess you know, other agents sticking it to the man, if you will. Um, like, for instance, like Johnny Utah, you know, like he's such a, a, a dick to the um, uh, to the FBI director. I can't even remember his name. Harp. Harp, thank you. Um, but then there's a scene where um, Pappas and Utah are doing surveillance on Bunker Bunker's Wyatt Place and War Child before, they, before the big raid. Uh, and then when the shift change comes along, those two other FBI agents who think Pappas, Pappas is a real hard-on uh, those two guys are actually sitting in a car smoking. And I thought that was, yeah, I was like, oh, how about that? So maybe it's not just Pappas who has an issue with Harp. It's actually the whole agency kind of has this, like, you know, Harp is this, like, he's this, this guy, he's he's whipping us to do what he wants, but we're just, like, getting away with what we want to do behind but, his back. Uh, yeah, I, love... I think the thing that with, with Pappas is, though, that he's one of the only ones that just does it to Harp's face. Like yeah, he voices his opinion. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And he says that at one point. He's like, plus, it'll let's do it anyway because it'll bug the shit out of Harp. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 it's nice. I love the good guy, bad guys. Mm-hmm. And there's always, there's always, like, another team, like, the other team of agents... You know, who are like the? They're always like competing. The funny thing is, when this cat, when I was watching it the other day, all I could think of was how much Bad Boys did that oh, better. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Bad yeah. Boys is a perfect example. And I, I, you know, because I, I felt that there was something with this relationship that just wasn't working between these two teams. I'm just like, it just didn't seem as. I think there's as good. A, a lot of similarities between like the whole with Bad Boys in this film in in the the relationship between the. Uh, the other agents, um, yeah, they, I think there's Absolutely. a hell of a lot of similarities. Fair enough, it might be like you know a standard Hollywood thing, but mm. um, I like. I mean, obviously, the, not that we're talking about bad boys, but I mean, one thing I liked about bad boys is that Point Break probably could have done pretty awesome. So we are talking when they, about bad boys. We are slightly, <laughs> just slightly, uh, was that if they'd done it in Point Break, it would have been really cool. And it's like you know when the shit hit the fan, you know, like uh, in Bad yeah. Boys, they team up with no, the other no. guys. That They're did like, happen. Right, let's roll. That happened in the raid. In the raid, yeah. In the raid. In the yeah. raid, they were like yeah, back on right. and they were like, you're late to your own thing. Yeah, and that, yeah. that's true. But that's then true. when it came down to it at the crunch, they were like, you know, yeah, they mm. were clearly on the same side. But there's this whole thing. It goes on for like the whole first act of the yeah. film. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, the other guys, oh, totally you're doing a crap ra- job, Pappas. Totally rad, yeah. dude. Yeah, that whole stuff. Yeah. Well, one of those poor guys, one of the other the other agents, I, didn't, I mean, I don't know their names, they're obviously not worth knowing, but uh, one of those poor guys gets stabbed during the raid. The naked chick from the shower stabs him in the totally back like the back. six times. Yeah. Mm. I want to know if that guy made it. <laughs> one big thing about this film that, that really rang with me was, uh, I don't know, how, how do we even approach it? We've all seen Hot Fuzz and the massive homage to Point Break that it is. And I saw a lot more And Bad Boys (laughs) 2. And Bad Boys 2. But predominantly, predominantly it's Point Break. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. But 
just the homage, and I and I could see more of it watching it this time, mm. having that in my head more. Yeah, like the whole the first time they go to rob the bank, and they're all loading their guns and putting masks on. It's like they're really quick cuts, and it's really dynamic, and it's they're not quite crash zooms and stuff, but it's very very reminiscent of like an Edgar Wright mm-hmm. montage, like yeah. arming up montage <laughs> that he does a lot. Um, and and Edgar Wright uses them a lot in his films, and he uses them for comedy as well. Yeah. Um, but it's really prevalent in Hot Fuzz with the arming up stuff. You know, they're always. Well, I mean, because they, they they actually talk about the movie, like they sit and watch. Well, Point exactly. Break yeah. In, but in you Hot can Fuzz, see. Really. But watching Point Break this time, I could I could really see some things that were drawn, like specifically drawn into Hot Fuzz, and yeah. and how they chose to. Mm. to portray it and I, I really enjoyed that I, I enjoyed watching like the serious version of the montage the arming up yeah. montage that's a that's a really good point actually it's like... yeah although I was slightly bothered by the mooning the, the security camera <laughs> because it's clearly a handheld camera yeah up very close like three feet away from that ass yeah. where a security camera would not have been standing yeah and even if <laughs> even if that was a security camera picked it up like we're talking 1991 here and it's just like let's face it it's a security camera <laughs> yeah. like I think they put out a resolution of like 12 by 6 yeah. <laughs> like it's like security cameras aren't that good now yeah you ain't picking yeah. up shit with and that and there's no uh, there's no uh, like you know what is it NCIS of enhance <laughs> oh enhance. zoom and enhance enhance <laughs> um <laughs> One thing I wanted to touch, like, was the, the photography. Like, I mean, just leading on from what you were saying about, like, uh, you know, camera usage, like, obviously the scene with the loading up. Uh, just, like, a bit of from the technical side. One thing I loved, and I'm going to jump to the chase scene where they're running on feet. Oh, uh, running on so foot, right? good. Now, we don't have to get into the chase scene right now, but one thing that I want to point out about the chase scene is that it is a, is a very, very super action sequence. And, like, the camera is as stable as it can be. There's, like... One thing that bugs me about movies today is shaky cam. It's like, it's an action scene. Let's just shake the shit out of the camera, right? That drives me crazy. Whereas like this, like I, I looked into the tech of like the camera and they like chopped up this, this, uh, chopped down a camera. Yeah. You know, universal gimbal like this, uh, to keep, keep it all as smooth as possible. So that way there's a guy can run with a camera and we're getting the smoothest possible footage. And I love that. And that's like something that films don't do enough these days. You know, like, you know, shaky cam drives me crazy, but Having a smooth camera in this in this awesome action sequence, you know, so many people refer back to that running scene in Point Break as "Wow, that was such a good scene." And I go, "Why was it such a good scene?" It's because you can see what's going on. Well, it's because you know? you're you're in the scene pretty much. Exactly, like, the right. camera allows you to be in that chase. Exactly right. You yeah. know what's going yeah. on, and it also it all again it, it it's so intense and it's so like in the moment you feel like you're you're yeah. there in that chase. Yeah, absolutely. So it was a. It was a stripped-down handheld 35. Yeah. Um, and it weighed like 18 pounds, whatever that Ooh, is, in, in normal weight. I think that's about nine kilos. I'm probably yeah. wrong. I, th- it's, it's, I think it's, it's under, a bit it's over a, half. Or yeah, it's, or... it's about seven or eight, I think, because it's about 2.2 pounds a kilo, isn't it? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So. I mean, that's pretty heavy to be carrying. That's pretty and, heavy. And running. To be running around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, had a gyro stabilizer borrowed from a Steadicam yeah. as well. So that's how they got that. You could actually see. Oh, that's right. And it had this, it had this wire loop. So normally with with the thirty five mils, you've got to stare through the you've got to stare through the viewfinder, right? Which was just you know you can tell from the footage that it's just kind of impossible at the yeah. speed they're moving. Mm-hmm. So they got a coat hanger, right, <laughs> and stuck it like up above the top, uh, so that he could he could frame the shot roughly mm. from this coat hanger. That's awesome. Like oh, I, lo- I love that. Fantastic. Like 
Fair the, enough. Yeah, yeah like that, yeah, you know, yeah, cool. old school tech. Oh, the yeah. only problem I have with the foot chase, and I'm pretty sure you guys might agree, particularly you, Brad. I know you're an animal lover. Yep. <laughs> the kicking of the dog. <laughs> the ki- well, one, the throwing of the dog. Yeah, fair call. And then he boots it. Mm. Like, just totally Un- unnecessary. boots it. <laughs> well, but if someone, hypothetical, if someone had thrown a dog at you, what do you do? Owning two dogs and a cat, if someone broke into our house, um, dogs, useless. Um, I would definitely throw my cat at someone. If they were coming at me with a knife, I would throw my cat. Because seriously, he would tear their face off. Yeah, but I'm not Look, I'm not saying would you throw the dog. I'm saying if someone threw a dog at you, would you what would you do with it? Would you <laughs> kick it? Oh, no, would I wouldn't get drop... I'd try and catch it. and then put and, and, Would oh. you drop punt it from the 50? No, you know, definitely. Like... No, I don't, I, I don't believe in kicking animals. But if, from a defense point of view, I think... Throwing an animal at someone, especially in the heat of the moment, like, you know, he was really trying to get away from someone. And look, having a dog thrown at you is, you know, well, you throw any object. <laughs> I like the way you're, you're trying to justify it, oh, well, even though you're completely yeah, against it. Well, the- well, if someone was going to throw a dog, yeah, that's a good, you know. I, see, I disagree. Right. I think the throwing of the dog is like the worst thing. You, you could throw a brick, you could throw some children's toys. But was there you any could, bricks, any children's I, toys you know, there what, at I'm, the time? It's a garden. I'm sure there's plenty around, right? But. but he does run through the the. He stepped in the kiddie pool. Yeah, there's, well, there's plenty of things I, to grab. I agree. How do you get throwing onto the, the dog, dog? Throwing the dog yeah. is definitely an option. But it also makes feel, you, you know, for, but he's for a bad guy. Yeah, he's the bad guy yeah. exactly. So he picks up the dogs and throws it, and you go, "Oh, he's a really bad guy." The problem I have is Johnny Utah, the good guy, kicking, kicking the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not cool with that. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe. Okay, let's look at it because I love to put logic to this stuff. Why did he kick the dog? Maybe Johnny Utah knew that if he just threw the dog aside and continued running, the dog would chase him. So he had to establish his authority <laughs> by kicking the dog. Okay. <laughs> Proving we, to the oh. dog that he's the alpha male. Let's put this into more perspective because I remember the dog throwing scene but I can't remember what type of dog was it. So I'm guessing he didn't pick up a great Dana or a Rottweiler and throw it. Like, no, it's a pretty, I think it's a Staffy. It's, it's a yeah, pretty it looks decent like, it looks like a Staffy. Yeah. Like oh. it's, a, it's not a mean Oh, one. no, the Staffy would be fine then. Yeah. Oh, the Staffy, the Staffy would chase after the him Staffy, and lick the, his face off. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> the right. Staffy was already growling before he was thrown, though. So why wasn't the Staffy attacking? Mm. <coughs> he didn't have time. Johnny Utah kicked him too quickly. <laughs> yeah. No, well, no, before he was thrown. Like, surely if Johnny Utah should just come out and seen the dog attacking him <laughs> as he was about to get thrown. I mean, yeah, okay. you know what? Sorry, we the are missing... all coming back to me now. Yeah, 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 yeah We that. are missing yeah. a very no. interesting point, though, that... Because, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze or, you know, like, Bodhi Zafa, he throws the dog and it turns out to be quite an effective weapon. Like, uh, Johnny Utah, he's messed up, aren't they? He's got cuts all over his face, That's like, he's true. all torn up. It turned out to be a really good plan. But I'm like, mm, if it, instead of spending that six hours picking up the dog and training it not to attack him, but to, to attack Johnny Utah instead, <laughs> perhaps in that time, instead of doing all that, he could have just run away and actually, you know, made good with his escape, which ultimately he does do, but... We don't find that out till later, you know. Like, was from a from a from a defensive point of view, is throwing a dog at someone a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think I think this could be a whole other episode, really. It just felt like you know I was so with them and in this chase, and it's like mm, you know, uh, and then I'm like, well, hang on, what? Yeah, what can you, you kick the dog that? for, dude? Yeah, yeah but look, it's uh, also one of those things, you know, in the, in under pressure and in the heat of the moment, you do stupid things. All in all, like the photography of that scene, I think is amazing. Like. Like, yeah, you know, what they agreed. did with the camera, you know, the way they, you know, really immersed you in the scene by keeping it as stable as possible. I think that's fantastic. I, I just think, think it's, yeah. Another, not enough films do that these days, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's just great that they went 
they went to that running scene like it it ended up that way. It didn't end up as a car, as the car, chase. car chase or whatever. Yeah, so it comes off the back of quite a long car chase. Yeah, which, which, which is, is a good car chase. It's a good, great it is, car yeah. chase. It's There's, shot really well and it's... Uh, good I, car chase. Yeah. I totally agree. I, I yeah. was talking about that. There was There's a skid... There's one skid. I reckon it goes for two weeks. I know like, the one you're talking about. Yeah, and it's so the the camera's on the back of another car, on the back of a follow car, and it's just shooting like a blank street, right? Yeah. And uh, Pappas and Johnny like slide into the shot <laughs> sideways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then gain yeah. control. Yeah, it's that is just, cool. It's yeah, rad it is cool. as yeah. like yeah. all that that car chase is just fantastic, I mean, that, and then almost... they transfer it to the feet. Yeah. You know, which like gives it. More intensity. Well, and it, I, it, no, well, it, it shrinks it from cops versus bad guys to, to friend versus friend yeah, at the end well, of the good day. Point. Yeah. And it does, and because you don't even care about what happened to the other guys. Puppets' broken car or what happened to the other three presidents. No. That's like you, totally you irrelevant. Even, think about even it. the movie, isn't at this stage, he's still not 100% sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's that true. That's him until. He doesn't. He takes off the mask when he jumps over the fence, doesn't he? Or later? No, on. he doesn't take it off. No, he doesn't, doesn't does take it. it off. So he's still he's like ninety nine percent, but he's still not one hundred percent. Yeah, it's not so until they show know. the video in the back of the van after they've done the skydiving of Tyler as a hostage that is, that's when it becomes one hundred percent. It's yeah. all out in the yeah. open. Yeah. yeah, we know it, but Johnny Utah doesn't know. He it. knows yeah. it. I mean, he's he knows. He knows. Yeah, but he, he, he doesn't have the proof. He needs that. He needs that last bit. Yeah. yeah. He, he, okay. He can't convict. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. He's, he's not convicting anyone yet because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the evidence. Yeah. But he knows. I want to just go back, back to a bit more chronological. The scene where they go work the, the first car on the on up on Mulholland Drive, Ooh, and and Pappas back. and Johnny have that like yeah, that tell Noam stories, and and they get you know they have this out at each other, and again like the line versus the cub, yeah, yeah, or just it's the the character development yeah. of everyone across the film. I think it's fantastic. Like from the first moment you see Bodie, he's a dude. Mm. Like he's this, you know, he's like a really nice guy and someone you'd oh. want to hang out with like straight away. See, that's what I was going to get to. That how many films was Patrick Swayze in where he was that slightly older dude that takes the young guy under his wing and shows him the way? <laughs> like how many films uh, has he done that? All, all of, of them? them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, except Donnie Darko, maybe yes, Ghost. Yeah. Ghost was a Ghost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like so, but mm. it's the same character. It's like all the time. It was. It's very. You know, I could, yeah. Yeah. But like Outsiders, until until you know. that moment, until that argument that they have, Pappas and Utah are still against each other. Like you know, they they have that introduction in the pool where Pappas is like, "Oh, I've been saddled with this young douchebag," and, mm. and the big pony into the pool. Yeah. 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 And and all through that bank robbery, he's like, "Settle down, man. You know you, you're too keen." And yeah, and they have it out there on the with the car, and and then from then on, they're working together. They're working together. It's like a, it's a really nice mm. loggerhead that they hit at, and and move on from there. Because it's really... it's it's a moment where Pappas is like, "Dude, you're the new kid on the block. Stop with this. You know I've been around the traps a while." Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, you've been around the traps a while, but." You know, you're you're just comfortable with not getting anywhere. And he accepts it. He's like, "Look, you've been around. You must have some ideas." Yeah, what are you know, they? Like, you're, he's you're like, "Forget about it." It's like, "Well, why are we forgetting about it?" You know, this yeah. is you want to solve this. So I think, yeah, it's a it's a really good moment where not only is um, Utah kind of forced to like he's kind of have he's he's having to grow up basically as all yeah. this is happening, but Papas is having to 
kind of come back and and yeah. realize that okay maybe he is in a rut and he's not he's, he hasn't been getting anywhere for that reason. That so. actually that's a that's an interesting, interesting point uh, because there's something that bothers me about Pappas and I didn't notice it until I watched the film. I watched it last night and just after the foot chase scene where Johnny Utah, you know, he's got his gun lined up at, at the bad guy. We're not sure who it is, you know, and he, he shoots his gun in the air instead of you know, killing the person he's the hot pursuing. Fuzz scene. Yeah. The hot fuzz scene, yeah. yeah. Which we but, all thought of when that scene came on. Absolutely. Straight away, yeah. hot fuzz. About, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so after that scene, um, Johnny Utah's sitting in the, the office and Pappas comes in. He's like, nothing, nothing. And then they have that, they have like this deep and meaningful one-on-one, right? And Johnny Utah says, I missed. And Pappas says, you don't miss. And, uh... There's a scene later on in the service station when they steal some other dude's car where Pappas is standing point blank <laughs> behind the car and starts unloading bullets into the car and misses everyone. Yeah, but... It's like, no, 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 but that's he's different. saying, you don't miss. I understand the psychological difference. Yeah, that's what that's about. That's what... He's like, I know you missed on purpose because yeah. you know who it is and yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like, that was deliberate. Obviously, right. obviously you're going <laughs> to miss sometimes. I don't know. You're not like, dead shot. <laughs> yeah. mm, no, nah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know. It just that really, really annoyed. It really annoyed me, actually. He's like, oh, you don't miss. It's like, man, the guy had a long shot. He could have missed anyway. Johnny Utah could have unloaded that whole clip and missed every bullet. <laughs> that's a long shot. Dude, you were standing right behind the car. Brad, I, I feel while, while Jules is our resident gun nerd, <laughs> Get as, as I've just proclaimed, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like proclaiming you as our resident car nerd, and in fact, Jules, sure. you're probably on the cars Ooh. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Mm-hmm. With that. I'm happy to get on that. Uh, I, I really like the introduction to Tyler. Like it, it. I don't know why. To be honest, it just I don't know. It works for me. You know, she's getting changed, but then she jumps in the car. I really want to know what that car is because it looks cool. It's some that's kind a classic, of Porsche. That's a classic Porsche. Yeah. I think it's like a 1950s, 1960s Porsche. It's rad. I don't know. It just... Hey. You don't know because you didn't see it in a year. No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's, a little, it's a really old Porsche. And the, the funny thing is I, I watched that and I, I haven't looked into it, but I'm pretty sure those cars are actually worth a bit. Like maybe not so much in America... Uh, maybe you can just pick one up like, you know, your old shitty Commodore. Uh, but um, yeah, those old Porsches. Like, okay. But it's still a Porsche. It is. Yeah. It's, it's a very Porsche. old You know what? If Porsche. it is, it, if it's like, if it's an early Porsche, so it's like a 356, then it's probably the same Porsche that they used in like a heap of films. Because yeah. there's a heap of films where guys drive around in like a beaten up old Porsche. I think in like one of the, uh, Bill one Tons. of the 24 hours, um, yeah. I think uh, one of the dudes in that drives like an old beaten up 356 convertible. Kelly McGuinness drives one in, yeah, in, in Top Gun. Gun. Yeah, probably the same car, just getting around. Just one they got in the uh, Hollywood yeah, storeroom. Yeah, yeah, it's you know? the storeroom car. The, guys, like, we, we've got a dead shit over here. Get, oh, get, get out the Porsche. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There were, there were heaps heaps of moments in this film. People people generally seem to have a problem with Keanu Reeves and his acting. Yeah. They find him really wooden mm-hmm. stuff. I don't. I reckon he's great. Yeah. And I reckon he chooses his roles really good. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't know if he does that or his agent does, or I'm sure he does to some degree. He must, mm. right? He's yeah. A, he's a human who makes decisions. <laughs> um, but there was a lot. It was the perfect segue from Bill and Ted's, which was Bill and Ted's was 87, I think. Wow. Uh, and there's And there's this great, like he uses Ted a lot in this film like every time he's 
being a surfer, the example I had was uh, yeah. when yeah. they're out collecting yeah. hair samples. <laughs> yeah. He's like, dude, you've got some big sucker crawling right in your <laughs> ear. <laughs> Save your life, bro. Yeah. And I was just <laughs> so Ted Logan. I loved it. And all the woes and... You know, and I feel like he did the same in The Matrix as well. Like it was, it was this like outsider, not really knowing what's happening to him, yep. kind of vibe, mm. which you know happened to Ted all the time. I'll just keep talking about. Maybe, maybe Keanu Ted's Reeves cause... is just really good at playing like a confused, lost puppy dog. You know, <laughs> like he's just. Well, it's just like the new guy, you mm. know, in the yeah. situation which fits into the, the point breaks. Well, I, like... I think because going back to what I was saying before about how he's a new guy on the block and. He's really having to learn about everything. Like one of the one of the moments I thought was great, and I don't know whether it was done on purpose or whatever, but um, he's ob- obviously he's undercover and he's learning how to try and interrogate or ask questions without being too dodgy. And just after the 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 fight scene with Warchild and that that gang, um, he's walking back to the car with Bodie. And he's like, oh, you know, they're into all sorts of shit. And and Utah just turns to him and goes, oh, yes, like what? Some illegal shit? Something illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So and out of his like, and I just, shit. Yeah, and I just, oh, I, I just laughed to myself and I thought, man, that is just like, yeah, nice and subtle, Johnny. Well done. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because the way Bodie reacts is just he kind of looks at him and goes, oh, like, no, dude, not really. But, um, yeah, Maybe, whatever. I mean, that, might, that really fits into the movie well to show how much of a, like, a straight shooter nerdlinger FBI guy he is, you know, football jock clean cut guy and who's never really experienced like illegal shit before well he's just is, trying to he's just trying to be all loose but he's <laughs> is he straight out of the academy or has he been yeah, like no, he's no, from no, yeah, ohio he's, no i'm pretty sure he's straight out of the camp i think they they mentioned it at some point well that because i i know john c harp talks about him as being like whatever you've done before this you have zero hours in the field out here yeah right so i don't know whether he's well i suppose you don't just do you get just drafted into the FBI, like, seems kind of like a big deal. It's like, you know, it's like going straight to upper management, you know, like, without ever having management experience. Like, yeah, I, I don't um, know. I don't yeah, know. so potentially, you know, back um, in hometown, he was walking the beat. Yeah. You know, street cop, you know, yeah, but they're maybe he's a good detective. But they're two different organizations, right? You've got to apply for the FBI. I suppose. Mm. It's not just like the next progression through the police. No. No. But surely no. you've got to have some form of police experience, wouldn't you? Before? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. That's 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 I think, I think you, surely you'd have to have some kind of plea. I, yeah. I wow, that guy's in... he's a good rookie. Let's just. I'm only I'm only basing this off um, horrible Chris Tucker in uh, in Rush Hour. How he's trying to mm, <laughs> he's uh, spending the whole time trying to. I'm get also going to say that uh, for anything actually on how to get into the FBI, we probably shouldn't consult Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably agree with yeah. that one. Yeah, it's all maybe, I know. maybe it's look all for I know, a Brad. <laughs> than that. Yeah, well, you know. Um. Yeah. Nice one. I found it interesting in that in that fight. That beach fight. For some reason, I've always found the uh, foley mm. in that section. So foley, you know, is when they they re-record the sound effects. Yeah. For yeah, lots of walking in sandboxes and that sort of stuff. <laughs> for some reason, forever the sound in that fight scene, that like wet, wet dudes in wetsuits hitting each other, <laughs> is is really like. I'm always taking notice of those sounds. I have mm. no idea why. If forever before I long got into film and that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's it's like the the leather sounds oh, in Batman love. Begins, right? Love the leather. But um, I think it's a good good opportunity to talk about Anthony Kiedis. Oh um, yes, and I I love the cameo. I think it's brilliant, um, because he seems naturally in that character. Yeah. 
But he has got to be the worst fighter. <laughs> slash, he's probably, you know, cross between terrible fighter mainly because he's a coward because he shows that fairly later on in the in the raid that he's pretty much yes. just running away. But and he shoots himself in the foot. You're really watching that fight, and he doesn't land anything, and he just gets thrown around, like literally thrown around. The other thing I couldn't work out was where did Bunker keep that knife while he was out in the surf. You know when he cuts the cord. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you just do you just carry a knife while you're surfing? Could be a like, scuba knife. Have it strapped to the ankle. Oh yeah. In maybe. case he gets tangled, maybe in his his board cord. Surfers, surfers. That, that's a really valid point. And, actually, yeah. yeah. Tell us. Hey, it's all territorial. You got to stab the guy to death who's surfing your wave, man. That's they are. Like... They do think of themselves <laughs> as some kind of death squad or whatever. Ah, uh, that's a good point, actually. Apparently. So now, is that uh, actually in that scene? Is that? All of the chili peppers, or is it just Anthony's? No, no it's just Keys. Because right. yeah. a lot of people go, oh, no, that's all the chili peppers, man. It's like, really? I don't oh, no. think so. No, no. It's not even close. No, <laughs> I mean, no, going, going with that I'm, scene that's again. With yeah, you. yeah, no. Just going with that scene again. Like, again, that's another good example of a fight scene that didn't overdo it with the shaky cam. You know, like, I enjoy watching that fight scene, well, especially Swayze throwing his kicks and stuff. Because yeah. you can see what's going on. But that's yeah, that's they're, they're stable shots, but they're really quick. Like yes. again, they're coming from lots of different angles, and I really like how they keep throwing in the pappus angle, the yeah. really wide angle, where there's no sound so much. You know, when the guy gets tossed out, yep. yeah. pappus starts running like through, it, it's through the binoculars or something. But it's yeah. probably the only really choreographed fight of the whole thing. Easily, because you think yeah. about the great fight of. Um, Lupton Pittman or AKA Warchild and um, memory. thank you and uh, and Utah on the lawn with the mower that's just a struggle like yeah. it's barely a fight it's a brilliant struggle mm. and then you've got the Bodie versus Utah fight later on which again you know a few punches are thrown but it's again more of a kind of thrown around yeah. struggle it's actually the only but that one fight. there was yeah it was like a like probably the only proper fight of the film but yeah. It was still. Yeah. It wasn't too overboard, though. I mean, that's the good thing about it. Like, it was still fe- semi believable, I guess. I mean, I'll, I cringe a bit with these kind of fighting scenes because <laughs> it's never. It never goes that cleanly, really. When no, you think about yeah. it. But Especially with dudes with, with long hair like that. There's a bit more mm, hair pulling. Is that with, with all your experience in fighting? <laughs> no. yeah. Timmy the bro- Here we go. We've got our resident. I'll be the gun expert. He can be the resident fighting but it's expert. Just, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It. With all your MMA experience. <laughs> yeah. It's just going out. Going out on the town and punching dudes, <laughs> getting, right, Timmy? Getting yeah. my ass kicked. Just getting picking fights and getting my ass kicked. Yeah. Um, so, one one thing I wanted to talk about, if we actually sit down and you watch almost everything that comes out of Bodie's mouth is poetic. Like, it's it's almost like it's just a specific line. Because the know? guy's fucking crazy. He's But it's, it's just like, it's it's it's... Obviously, it's a script, but it feels way more scripted than other people's lines you know he's yeah. got like, it's not tra- di- uh, it's not tragic to die doing what you love and looks like today you're not going to get your man and all this sort yeah, of stuff yeah like it's just it's full of it's full of these like is that maybe they're just trying to because obviously everyone else is a bit you know like I think uh, Bodhi's crew are just like the most cliche surfy dudes ever especially yeah. when he's telling they're telling the big wave surf so like, yeah balls, and you're like cliche surfy whereas he's Maybe they're trying to represent him as a character who's so focused and so strong-minded and all that. He always really says what he's intending to say with authority. I don't know. I, I, I had a When I watched it recently, I had a real problem with Bodhi the whole time. He's annoying. Oh, no, no, and not just that he's annoying, but I think his, his craziness is really obvious. And he... For, I mean, for starters, 
you look at the crew he's hanging out with and they it's all just kind of follow the leader type thing, really. Yeah, well, he's totally the alpha male. He's the it. alpha male. Yeah. He's the smartest one there. And he's he's got all these sayings and... Um, and 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 phrases and stuff. Is he like a, almost like a cult leader? Yeah, I mean, what about? I, I think mean, he he's, is. he's probably a sociopath. You know, he, like, he manipulates people. But in you order look to get at what it, he, so wants. he chooses okay. people with low intelligence. To yeah, manipulate. but yeah. you look at you look at his relationship with Tyler, and it is mental mm. because he has such um, he's he's really possessive of her, and it's really obvious. Like for instance, when they, we first meet him, he's coming out of the surf and he's he's sneaking up behind her. And he knows Johnny's there and he doesn't know who Johnny is. And he trips her up and kisses her and she just kind of pulls away and he's like, oh, you know, what are you doing? You're replacing me and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like all this little subtle stuff. I think, uh, well, yeah, the, the cult leader thing I think is, uh, is a good a thing good. because like he's obviously, you know, the character he's playing is ultra manipulative. Yeah. Super intelligent. Super it's talented. So manipulative. It's crazy. Super talented as though. Yeah. I think that a lot of, you know, these famous cult leaders in history are, you know, they haven't got to where they are without being super intelligent and mm. in somewhat super talented in something, you know, and, uh, and his thing is, you know, he's an excellent surfer or an excellent daredevil and, uh, and really good at manipulating uh, uh, stupid people. Interesting fact, Patrick Swayze uh, <laughs> was an accomplished skydiver. Yes. In and, real life. And did yeah. Oh, actual Patrick Swayze. Actual, actual Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Not pretend Patrick Swayze. He was in some of those scenes, though, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. He, so Absolutely. he shot all the last one, all that last dive was all him. Mm. You know, because you see him, there's a close-up and he jumps out of the plane. Yeah. But I found interesting, in a couple of the surfing shots, there were some decent close-ups, and that was not even close no. to Patrick Swayze. Not <laughs> close. It was odd that they didn't try and hide Spe- that more, Speaking but... of the skydiving, I, this is something yeah. that I really enjoyed about the film, was, okay, we had... Um, the car chase and the foot chase, right? And you're like, okay, they know who each other are now. Shit's on. Like this is this. Usually, films will go into a chase of, okay, I'm going to get you. No, you're not going to get me. And the film just flips on its head. He turns up at his door and takes him skydiving. And so the, good. And the audience just forgets. Like you just yeah. forget that all that stuff just happened because it's all of a sudden it's just this magical scene. I wrote that down as well. Yeah, I was like. You all of a sudden, totally yeah, get taken away you from get, what's yeah. just happened. Exactly. So you've got this magical scene of like, and Johnny Utah is clearly like, this is amazing. He's amazing, yeah. You know, and it's kind of all forgotten, and obviously until when they get to the ground and they're in the back of the truck type thing. But I just think that was such a cool way of doing it because the audience isn't expecting that. The audience is expecting, okay, now we're going to have a shit fight pretty much for the rest of the film. But again, it takes you back into it, that that way that Bodhi manipulates. manipulates and, yeah. But yeah. it also, I think it also brings out the conflict that it is for Utah because yeah your friends your enemy yeah he get he gets lost in that moment and he's hanging with his friends again and he's completely forgotten who he you know what he's supposed to be doing uh, i just want to go back to that raid for a second <laughs> so the raid ends right in quite messy in quite a messy fashion mm. lots of people die and you know a, blah, a lawnmower blah. gets shot <laughs> awesome awesome cameo from tom sizemore yeah. As as Agent Dietz. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like this hair. and So what I can't work out, all right, this, and again, this may be my ignorance, he's with the DEA, right? Yep. Surely, to some degree, the DEA... Is in communication. Is in communication with the FBI, right? And Harp approves the raid, right? There's that scene where they talk about, well, right, we're going to raid him. Harp's all on board with yep. that. And then all of a sudden, Harp's like... 
Yeah, have you met Agent Dietz? Yeah, good one. You fucked this up, didn't you? Like, he's mm. really like... It's like, yeah, dude, you're the one that I'm approved like, it. I'm like, you're the managing officer here. Like, surely... Responsibility you know, lives with you. Yeah, surely you be... go do a raid, you call <laughs> some other people and go, all right, we're going to do this. Is this cool with everyone else? Mm. I, I don't know. Is that You're a right. Thing, it doesn't or... make sense. And even if, even if the DA was running some kind of... Um, uh, some kind of departed system where <laughs> only one guy knew who the... Who the the, yeah. s- the snitch was, yeah. but even then, he would be the guy that would be contacted saying, we're going to raid this house. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Surely. I, you know, I, that's an interesting point because I, I was going to make a note of this, but I kind of chose to just brush over it, I guess, because um, they they refer to him, Agent, is Agent Dietz? Yeah. Yep. Uh, they refer to him being as deep cover. As opposed to undercover, Re- regular cover. Yeah, yeah, there's perhaps perhaps us and our limited FBI DEA <laughs> experience aren't aware of the levels of cover. But maybe like that is maybe that is how he's, many he's levels so down deep. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Cover, deep cover, coverception. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe he's so deep that there's only a few people in the organisation that actually know. Exactly. And that's so after he's in the DEA. Look, I don't have a problem with that. But then I don't think Tom Sizemore has any position to be annoyed. If no, if one, no knows. one knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, that's very you know, true. You can't go, you've just blown my whole three he's, month operation. He's, he's actually, also, I thought three months three wasn't months. that long. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a, like deep cover. It's like, yeah. dude, you've He's been actually just, he should be thankful he didn't get shot, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> the one thing I liked about this movie was the fact that the music throughout the whole film is really subtle. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed this. One thing that really stood out from other action films. Um, is that there's there's barely any music in the whole film, mm. and I actually noted that. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Uh, from the start, okay, so we have the opening credits. There's a little bit of music going on on there, very subtle. We don't hear music again until the 13 minute mark. And can I point out that that's after the very first robbery. The very yeah, first nice. robbery takes place, and there is no, no music, music over it. And I'm like, man, a movie's got to be doing a pretty good job if it can go 13 minutes without playing it's any other music. music. With yeah, a big scene, point. with a big action-style scene. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like the music that breaks that, uh, I'm pretty sure from memory, the music that finally does play after the 13-minute mark is like, is a, it's almost like a segue piece of music into the surf shop when yeah. Keanu Reeves buying his first surfboard, you know? Like yeah. The 57 Chev. You it's know, kind like, of like a nothing... <clears throat> scene just it, like a transition exactly scene. right yeah. It's, yeah. it's a bit of transitional music and it doesn't mean anything and you know what it could have done fine without it yeah and even then like there's barely any music for the whole film um and i think that's really cool that you can have this awesome action film with such a minimal amount of music and yet it's still so effective you know like like i'm gonna use the movie speed another keanu reeves movie here the movie speed right have you ever heard the soundtrack to speed right oh, pretty much through the whole film it's like i know where you're going dun, 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 dun. it's like like Katie, my girlfriend, and I sing. We sing like uh, 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 we sing words to that song. The same, it's like action is happening. It's like it's so in your face. Whereas it's the complete opposite uh, with um, with Point Break. You well, know, you like think that. yeah. Well, you think back to that um, uh, back to that chase scene on foot. The music in that is just simply just kind of like a digga 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 digga. That's pretty much it. Background bass and snare kind of thing. Yeah, like that's pretty much it, and that's all it needs. In the when they take Johnny into the bank robbery, the first thing I noticed was that uh, Bodie is wearing the same suit still that's yeah. all burnt and charred from the chase scene, and it's mm. all like ripped really? up and torn. 
I, ju- I like just spotted that. And oh, I'm like, well that's, done. That's cool. That's I a didn't, nice little that bit is of, very cool. of continuity going on there. Mm. That was really cool. We obviously need to have a discussion about, um, you know, the clear implications of, of Johnny Utah being in that, that bank robbery <laughs> and how there is no way with that, whatever story that he comes up with that he won't do He's any time for that. prison, yeah. Um, <laughs> because... I mean, I mean, Harp says it straight away. He says you're an accessory to murder because yeah. he is. He's there. He's holding a gun. Yeah. Um, and I just, I can't not think about I don't that. Understand scene. how he doesn't go to jail for that? Exactly. Yeah. Or Pappas Hollywood. for getting him out of there. I know, but it, it's <laughs> yeah, like the ruin it, it would put a really, like you know, big dent in a story. <laughs> Imagine it just ends there with Johnny yeah. going and getting booked. Yeah, that's it. There was that Bo thing gets on away. That, Tyler gets killed. That thing on Facebook that I tagged you in the other day, where I said really bizarre end to a movie, and it's like the guy pulls the gun out of his sleeve and shoots the guy, and that's the guy like explodes, the whole... and then it comes up. This man went to jail for a life sentence. At the end of it, it's like, oh, that was a bit. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I suppose he would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just Fair enough. Launched this dude. Hello, yeah. reality. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, in an action film, it's like yeah, there's a lot of yeah. <laughs> No I don't know. Sometimes reality just doesn't fit. No but that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is such a big thing. I completely yeah. agree. Like he's got no disguise. And, and you know, he's if you clearly, even, if you even jump right to the end where he throws away his badge, yeah, like that wipes his hands clean of yeah. anything. He's like, nah, I'm out now. You know, like it's just, <laughs> that's it. One thing I wanted to say just quickly was when Pappas knocks Harp out, he hits his head really, really hard mm. on that floor. Like. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's unconscious before he hits the ground from the punch. <laughs> yeah. But he hits his head really, really fucking hard. That's, that's like a marble floor, too. Yeah, like yeah. That's, a, that's damage. That's... Oh, man. So, you've seen Fast and the Furious, Jules. Unfortunately, I have. So, yeah. I'm sure, I don't know, Timmy and I know about this, and I'm sure hundreds of thousands of other people have picked it up. But they're the same film, right? Fast yeah. and the Furious and Point Break are the same film. Yeah, that's right. You play surfboards with cars. Surfboards with cars. Well, I mean the whole bank robbery thing. I mean you can kind of, but that they. So, so you've got you've got undercover cop infiltrates people who are really good at a sport, right? Mm-hmm. To find find some criminals. There's a fa- uh, there's a raid on another gang who they think it is, right? Yeah. In Fast and Furious, they raid like the Asian bikey gang or whatever. That's right, yeah. So Andrew jo- Johnny and- Tran. Johnny yeah, Tran. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah. The Tran. dude's in the Hondas. Yeah. 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 And then turns out he's now best friends. Oh, he falls in love with the girl, Yep. right? Mm-hmm. With the ex-girlfriend of the main guy. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's a, he, well, they made it the sister. Oh, there's a the sister, sister. Yeah. True, true. Close yeah, yeah. enough. Anyway, the only hey, girl. In some yeah. families, that's the same thing. Okay, so yeah, so, so yeah, falls in love with a girl. Falls in love with a girl. Yeah, right. Rodriguez is she in it? Rodriguez, that's, that's the one. That's, that's her. her. Yeah, and then it's the uh, the, and then turns out it's his best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and yeah. so there's the whole conflict. Yep. And yep. then he's like, I got to take you in. No, nah, you got to let me go. And he lets him go. Yeah. It's just like, and in like, terms of the bank robbery thing, they're the they rob trucks with the cars. Don't they? Yeah, because yeah, you're actually right. That's the crime. Yeah, I just remember seeing Fast and the Furious when it came out in like 2001 or whatever it was, and just being like, "Is no one else noticing that this is Point Break?" (laughs) Like, (laughs) the glaring difference though that I really respect about Point Break is that you know Keanu or Johnny Utah never stops going after his guy. Like in 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 uh, 
fast and the furious. He's like, oh, well, I'll give him my car and I'm a changed man now. Now I'm a bad guy. Whatever. Johnny Utah, he's like, no way, man. I'm an FBI guy. I'm going to take you down. And he yeah. takes him down and then he quits. Like once he's got his man, you know, like mm. like he doesn't stop being the good guy, Johnny Utah. He doesn't yeah. become the bad guy. Which, sure. which is why the whole bank robbery scene is really gray. Cause it's it's like, bizarre. Yeah. But it really doesn't fit do in. What would you do in that situation though? What would you do? Like you're in love with the girl who's a hostage you know, there are but no phones right. and blah, blah, blah. What, what can you do? Well, you oh. can't do anything. Like, if yeah, someone says, okay. you've got to rob this bank, yeah. you've got to rob that bank. You know, like... First world problems. <laughs> First world what problems. What do, man? Yeah. So it's a really, really, really annoying part of this let's, film. Well, see, this is interesting. I let's, think this is a whole It really story. doesn't bother me Let's that talk much. about really? fake Australia. It annoys the crap out of me. I love fake Australia in yep. things, right? Yeah. <clears throat> the oh. best example is yeah. the Simpsons episode where they go to Australia. And it's brilliant. As an Australian, I love it. And I really like this. Like, uh, Peter Phelps is one of the actors. That's the other thing I hate about it is that they actually get, like, the Australians in it are actually played by Australians. And it's like, can you make yourself sound as stereotyped as possible? You get him when he comes back in. What are you doing, Utah? You let him go. You let him go. I don't think think those guys are Australian. (laughs) I haven't found out where any of that was actually shot. Mm, Clearly, it's not Bell's Beach. Uh, Apparently, it's shot in... Not, uh, not talking. Not, well, yeah. I don't know. Not, Look, we know it's not talking. I don't think we really need to be going. No, what like I a... want to know is, was <laughs> that scene done in Australia? I don't think they would. No, like, no, why would you bother? Like it would be cheaper scene. just to make, yeah. make no, sense. I have no problem with it. I reckon they made enough of an effort. I don't really care. It's, um, it's oh, shot yeah. on the west coast of US somewhere. At work, we had these two guys, uh, young guys. Oh, uh, when no. I say young, sort of like, you know, I'd say like... Like our age. Mid-20s. <laughs> mid-20s sort of thing. And they came out to Australia and they said, we have to go to Bell's Beach. And it's like, oh, why? No. And he goes, point break, man, point break. And it's like, you know that's not Bell's Beach. And they went, what? And I went, no, 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 that's not Bell's Beach. Bell's yeah. Beach looks nothing like that. That'd be, going, it'd be, oh. uh, they were really disappointed. Ah, oh, well, stuff them. <laughs> <laughs> so I... I I picked up another note here. You were talking about Jules. You were talking about before uh, how Johnny Utah always gets his guy. Yeah. And, and Patrick Swayze says that at one point. He's like, Johnny Utah gets his man. Yeah, yeah. He'll go to a cage and, you know, blah, blah. I feel like letting him go is quite uncharacteristic of Johnny Utah. Like, you're right. The whole film, he's very like, got to get him, got to get him. And then to just let him go. You're talking about but the very like, end scene. But does, he, but does he let him go knowing the consequences of letting him go? I'm sure he does. I reckon he does. Cause See, but I still think that that goes against it. And maybe that's the point, right? Maybe it's it's that whole friend versus... Because he says, you've got to go down. Whether or not that means you've got to go to jail or you just got to die. You've got to do well, one of gotta, them. Yeah. Suck my cock. Well, this, this is actually... Uh, <laughs> this is an interesting point that I wanted to, uh, that I wanted to look, look up is, is Bodhi's death. Right, and I'm like, I mean this from, like, because there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. There is the one where, okay, so you can look at it from this point of view. Bodhi, right, he's finally found his waves, the 50-year storm. He goes out there, um, he tries to ride the wave, and he falls, right? And it's like, is this a representation? I might be getting way too in-depth with this, but is this a representation of Bodhi's undoing? It's like, you know, he, he... tried to go for the ultimate and he couldn't handle it. He's not in control anymore. He's not in control anymore. It's out of his control. He's he's coming apart. Or, I mean, does he kill himself? He doesn't want to go to a cage. He's like, I can't yeah. go to a cage, man. It's like, you know, like, he's got one wave. He's got one opportunity. And he I, says... I feel he has that implication when he says, let me go out and get one. 
just one. Like, There's a moment where they both go, like, we know what you're going to do, dude. Yeah. Like, is is but he's he, so he's willing. So, I would say to me, like, you know, he knows that he's not going to be able to ride the wave to face he, for his. Yeah, crimes. he like I don't know. Maybe he just like well, I let him just Die. end it like that. Like yeah, after okay. all this, I well, let look. Him just I think end that's it. kind of like obvious that he wasn't coming back. Yeah, mm. because it he's was literally death on a stick out there. Yeah. The thing is, like, this is this is something that Bodie knew all along. Like back at that party, he was like. He knew that that fifty-year storm was going to kill him the yeah. on that night because he said, "Oh, because everyone was like, oh, don't be silly.'" And he's like, "It's not tragic to die doing what you love." Oh, like he, foreshadowing. Oh, yeah, he another piece of Bodhi poetry though. Yeah. Correct, yeah. but at the, the, the same time Bodhi. though, it was clear that everyone's looking at him like, "Dude, don't be stupid." But he's like, "No, nah, I don't care. I'll die. I'll die in the fifty-year storm. I don't care." So I was, I was, uh, I was going through the credits, character names. I couldn't tell you who these characters were, <laughs> right, let's see but we... the names are amazing. Surf Rat. Ooh. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Strap yourselves in. Psycho Stick. <laughs> Passion for Slashing. Oh, my no. God. No. These, like, these have got to be... Um... Sounds like a roller derby team. What about Freight Train? Holy Jesus. That was another one. Yeah, and this one, Fiberglass. What a shame. Dear. Yes. So, I think we should... Start wrapping this up, but yep. this moves us to our rating system. For those listening at home, the San Dimas scale, because we are the San Dimas School of Film, we have a, our own scale. Makes sense. We are going to rate every film that we watch on a percentage in relation to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure rates 100%. Doesn't mean that a film couldn't be better and Bill and Ted's excellent. I know it's difficult, fellas. Settle down. <laughs> so you could give something perhaps 130%, or obviously we could go lower because it's not as good as Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. So that's the San Dimas scale. Okay, I suppose we need to give it a rating then. Like, uh, I'll start being at the lower end of the scale of the group here. Uh, I would probably give it uh, 70%. Okay. So 70% of Bill and Ted's, that's what I'd give it. Nice, 70% for Jules. Timmy? I'd probably... Finish it up at about eighty percent, I reckon. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna go seventy five. Seventy five. We'll split the split, yeah. split the middle there. I'm gonna break convention, boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think this is a little, just a little bit better. I'm gonna give it one hundred and one percent. I think it's yeah. just like when I start, when I sat down to watch this film, totally into it, and having watched the trailer first, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great, mm. and it was. While stuff is funny about it and a, a bit off. I'm like so on board with this film that mm. I think it's just that little bit better. Next next week, I'll say next week, <laughs> but it won't be next week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, next week we will be watching Inner Space. Yes. All right. Fantastic choice. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our ramblings. I certainly enjoyed myself this evening. Yeah, it was good. Good conversation. Hopefully we've given you some insight that you might not normally have. I feel like I've got break. some insight. All right. Thanks, fellas. <laughs>